I'm reading this morning from Romans chapter 12. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. It was about 4.30 in the morning, and I uh, showed up out here in front of the church, and they slowly started to come. A whole group of teenagers and leaders who were going to Tijuana, Mexico. 4.30 in the morning with a goal to, to get to uh, Vegas, and then from Vegas into Mexico, and and to go see what God might do with this motley crew of us. And we went to go build a house. We went to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And what the Lord did on that trip is that instead of just building a physical house, He built the house of God through the saints. He built up his church and started to use the gifts that he had given to us. And our lives were used for his kingdom and his church was built up. About a week before the trip, a brother of mine uh, knew that we had some needs. We, we needed to take down some tools and we needed to take down a bunch of equipment and obviously all the luggage and we weren't sure how we were going to fit it. We had... We even had three big 15-passenger vans, and we had a couple of Suburbans, a lot of kids, a lot of adults, and how are we going to fit it all? And so my brother shows up at my house with his Suburban and with his trailer and uh, just comes to say hello, and he says, Hey, you go see this trailer on the back? I just bought it for you. I knew we had a need for the ministry. And there's no way we're going to get all that stuff down without a trailer. And because he has the gift of giving, he felt the Lord compelled them to get a trailer for the church. Still out there today, we use it all the time for ministry. Just started, the gifts started coming out. And then we piled into the vans. Man, there's amazing life that goes on in a van ride for several days. There's amazing odor that arrives. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. 
I've had more life in those van rides than all the other ministry that I've done in my life. Those van rides, you dive into each other's lives. And then gifts started to come out. As I'd hear conversations of the kids and what was going on, all of a sudden gifts started to come out, gifts of encouragement as as students would share their lives and they were struggling with some things and trying to figure out what was going on. Gifts of encouragement would come out and speak forth truth and care for one another. Gifts of service as people were weary and tired and someone would go and get something for them as, as they weren't doing well or if they got sick along the journey. Life was shared in that van ride. And then we arrived in New Mexico after a little run-in with the law, which was kind of, I think, the normal thing when you go to Mexico. We was trying to get a little bit of money from you. We arrived into our little village and we thought we were going to build a house. And again, God was doing so much more than building his church. And so there's all these groups, and, and so we were, some of us were building, and some of us were out doing VBS, and some were out on the streets, and, and all kinds of ministry was going on. And then all of a sudden, towards the end of the trip, a couple of the students who had been talking with a couple of the adults, and they just felt a call from the Lord said, hey, Rod, why don't we do a big dedication for the house and for the family? Let's, let's do something that's just awesome to celebrate all that God has done here. And, and I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, we still got to get the sheetrock up, and the mud has to be dried, and we have to paint, and we're still doing the tar on the roof. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to build this house that has to be done. And they said, hey, you don't worry about it. You keep working on the house. We'll get together the dedication. And so they started to go to work. And then the gifts started to come out. All kinds of gifts of, of administration that were planning the trip and, and leading the ministry. Gifts of evangelism started to come out. One of the, one of the groups, one of the students said, hey, Rod, why don't we do... Uh, why don't we do an evangelistic deal where we do one of these dramas on the street and we'll, we'll, we'll have people come and we'll share the gospel with this drama. And we can do that. And I'm like, okay, okay, but I've got to get the mud to dry on the house. You know, I'm thinking this the whole time. And then another guy, is, they, they decide, hey, why don't, we, why don't we go and invite the whole community to come for the dedication, not just kind of the immediate surrounding houses, but let's go out and tell people we're going to dedicate this house and we're going to have a fiesta and, and we're going to feed you and, and come on over. And I'm like, oi vey, how is this going to work? How are we going to feed all these people? But they're like, don't you worry about it. Gifts started to play out. And so a bunch of kids, they literally, you know, van, we don't tell the parents this, but they're hanging out the van doors, and, and they're riding along the streets, and they got a bullhorn. They're like, hey, como esta? We're having a fiesta. Come and join us. And they're screaming it out and, and letting people know all around, I mean, all down these dirt roads that it's going on. And then I, I'm going, how are we going to feed all of these people? How's it going to happen? And then some other folks who had the gift of giving again, they said, you know what? 
We, we saw, actually, when we were driving in, uh, there's actually a Costco now around the corner. <laughs> I'm like, what? Costco? Come on. You know, we're working on little huts here. And the Costco's around the corner. So they go, and, and they buy hundreds of, of chicken breasts. And it's like, okay, well, how are we going to cook this? What are we going to do? Another guy, Gifts. He says, listen, I'm going to take a crew of these teenagers. We're going to go into town, and we're going to try to find a grill. So they go into town to try to find a grill. They couldn't find one, but you know what they found? They found a metal worker. They said, hey, could you build us a grill? We're going to be cooking a lot of chicken. And so this metal worker, right on the spot, makes a grill, this huge metal grill that we set over this fire pit that we had there. So they, they show up with this grill, all these chickens. And luckily, you know, we had the roof was done, but it was that black, black hot roof. So because the chickens were ice cold, we threw them up on the roof so they de-thawed. You know? We got that going for us. Everything, everything is done by all of these students and leaders bringing together this fiesta to dedicate the house unto the Lord and to this family. We thought we were going to build a house. And the Lord built his house. And then what happens is, is it comes to be dinner time, and all of these, these guys and gals went and they connected up with all these families, and they're like, hey, can, can you help us to cook all of the, the rice and the beans and the tortillas? And they were delighted to be part of that. We brought the food. And then everybody cooked. And those were the gifts of service. And behind the scenes, they just got it all together. Chickens were going on the barbecue. It's on this dirt road. I mean, literally just dirt road. And what an aroma to the Lord. Can you imagine? And then all of a sudden, about 5 o'clock in the evening, they start showing up. Literally hundreds upon hundreds start showing up. And so the team that wanted to do the drama, they share their drama, powerful about the love of Christ, and use their gifts in that. And then those, those who were, were ministering with the kids and had gifts of mercy and encouragement, they're out with the students, and they're talking about the drama. And I came in and, and gave a little word just about the love of Christ. And then we had others come up and share their testimonies. And then one of the students invited kids to to come to Christ and adults. And many that day came to know the love of Jesus. We thought we were building a house. And we did. All with the gifts involved there. Sheetrock had dried. Paint was on. But the house that was built that week in Mexico on that dirt road was the house of God. His church. And it reflected nothing but the love of God for a whole community as they witnessed the body of Christ and living out their lives and their gifts and living out in the power of the Spirit. It impacted the world in that community. That's what we're looking at as we look at Ephesians.
the building of the body of Christ. And in that, there is the giving of gifts that the Lord has given to each one. If you missed last week, here's a spiritual truth that you need to know as a follower of Jesus Christ. To each one of you who loves the Lord Jesus and is walking with him, to each one of you has been given a spiritual gift, has been given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It's so that our lives are used together in his kingdom. He gave us gifts, and maybe more than one, so that his life may be lived out through us, and so that all glory might go to him. And the big picture is that the unity of the body of Christ is coming together. The context of this is that we are preserving the unity of the Spirit in the body of Christ. When we live our lives out in our gifts, when we live in the power of the Spirit, we are preserving the unity of the Spirit. You see, when the body is loving each other and when the body is working together for God's purposes, all that does is reveal the glory of God and who He is. And it bonds the body together. Do you ever wonder why so many people joined the church in the beginning days? Do you ever ask yourself the question, why did that take place? Was it because they were going out knocking on doors and saying, can I share the good news of Jesus with you? It wasn't. Although that's important. People were standing at the windows, watching all these people loving each other and using their gifts watching all these people care for one another, watching all the people of different classes and and ranking, all worshiping together, and God being glorified in the middle of that, and lives being changed, and they watched. And they said, we want what you have. Tell us what it is. When we are living out the life of Christ and when we are living in the gifts, we preserve the unity of the Spirit We are loving each other well. We are moving together in his kingdom work. And the world can't help but say, what's it all about? And so my question for you this morning as a body of Christ is, not only what are your gifts, but what is God calling you to step into, to use the gifts that he's given you so that we might preserve the unity of the Spirit, that we might reflect the glory of of God. He's building this household. It's coming together. This is what he says in Ephesians 2. We looked at this, but I want to remind you, the image here is, is of a house being built in Ephesians. Corinthians, he uses the body of Christ and the gifts as, as the body, right? The head is, is important, but if you don't have eyes, you know, that's a problem. You need each other. We, we all need to work together. We all need to live it out together so that, that the unity... And the body is being fitted together. So here's what he says, a reminder in Ephesians 2. In verse 19, You were no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens were the saints. And you are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That's what we're going to look at this morning. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building is being fitted together. We're in process, gang. We are being fitted together. 
We are being joined together in his kingdom. We are being built into his house, the church. It's a sanctifying work, but it's this work in where the saints are moving towards each other. The saints are seeking together what God has for his kingdom. He's fitting us together. And we are growing into the holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built into the dwelling of God in the Spirit of the Lord. We're in this building process. He's making us into his church. And each and every one of you, each and every one of you is a valuable and necessary part of that process so that God would be glorified in his church. Here's what Ephesians 4 says, the two verses that we're going to dig into more. Verse 11. He gave some as apostles and some as prophets. He gave some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. Here's the purpose, verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the works of service to the building up of the body of Christ. He's given us gifts. These beautiful gals who help here, boy, saints. They stuffed all these in your, in your bulletins. But it's a little brochure on spiritual gifts. And as we dive into this, and we'll continue on into next week, I want you to take this brochure. This is something that my father put together several years ago. And it's just a tool. It's a tool for you to start thinking about who God has made me to be. What gifts has he given to me? And as you study the scriptures, the passages that you can dive into to study the gifts are what Val read this morning, Romans 12. And then you have 1 Corinthians 12 that speaks to our spiritual gifts. And then you have Ephesians 4, which we are studying. And then you have 1 Peter 4. Okay? I want you to be students of the Word. We were talking in in our hermeneutics class and how to study the Bible that there's many of us who sit under the Word. We sit under teaching. But many of us are not in the Word. We're not diving in for ourselves. And I really want us to be a family that is saying, hey, here's what Rod shared or Jackson shared Now let me dig in and and see what God is speaking to me about these things. We all have the same spirit. And he's the spirit of truth. And he will open your eyes to the truths of the scriptures. But those are the passages. Here's a little tool to get you thinking about who's God made me to be? What's he given me? What's the spiritual truth? Each one, each one has been given a manifestation, a gift of the spirit. And that's what he tells us in Ephesians 4. You've been given this gift to build this house, to be used of the Lord. We need each and every one. It really is the picture of the house, that the Lord is the architect. He's the contractor. He's the one who's got it all laid out and in place. And he says, this is how I want to build my house. I want to give each of you tools, gifts, and we need to come together. You see, it's hard to build a house without tools, isn't it? And if we're sitting there as a body of Christ and we're moving together, and a bunch of us as subcontractors are not showing up, it's hard to build that house. 
I cannot put that sheetrock up unless my electrical guy has come through and put the wiring in. just won't happen. We need each other. We need each other. They're all of incredible value. And the house is built on the foundation of Christ. And then the house is established, the, the church starts to get established through the apostles and, and through the prophets and through the evangelists and the teachers. They're helping us to equip, equip us for the work of the ministry. A house being built together. One of the things that I don't want us to forget is the cost. The cost it was of our Lord Jesus to give us these gifts. It's very clear in Ephesians that he came from the highest high and he went to the lowest depths. Death on a cross. And then he rose again in the power of God and ascended to the highest place. What an incredible cost. And from that place, with the power of God, he imparted to us spiritual gifts. Do you realize the cost of your gift? And I just want to encourage us, I want to exhort us, dear saints, that if we are not finding and and digging in and saying, Lord, what is this gift that you've given me? If we are not starting to live out the gifts that the Lord has given us, then we're saying to the Lord, well, thanks for dying. Appreciate it but I'm going to leave my gift under the tree. He died for us. He rose again so that in the power and full authority of God, he could give us these gifts so that his church would be built and that he might be glorified in us. How are you using your spiritual gifts, dear saints? You see, that trip to Mexico and all those gifts came out. Do you want to know why? Because students and adults were willing to serve. They were willing to say, you know what, I'm going to take my spring break in which I could just kick back, but I want to be available to God. And so they took those, that spring break and they said, Lord, I, here I am to serve. How do the gifts come out? We start to serve. We show up. And trust me, I know, sometimes you're like, I don't know where you want me, Lord, but... I know you gave me these gifts and I know you have life for me and I know you want to live your life out through me. So just show up so that the body of Christ might be built together, so that the unity of the Spirit might be preserved, so that God is glorified through his saints in the building of the church. Incredible cost. Let us not just dismiss all that God did for us so that we might have this life together. We are a divine part of one body. What a beautiful gift to us. And so he has given us gifts to live it out. He gave some to be apostles. Apostle means one who is sent out from. Put a stamp on you, and we're sending you out. You go out, and you bring the good news of the Lord Jesus. The apostles... The initial, uh, initial apostles were those who were eyewitnesses and walked with Jesus Christ. They, they not only spent time with him and saw him in his ministry, but they, they saw him in his resurrection. That's what the original apostles were. That would be the twelve. And then Matthias was invited in. 
And there will also be Paul. Paul became an apostle because he was walking on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9. And what happened? God got a hold of him. Revealed who he was to Paul. Turned Paul upside down. Paul fell in love with the Lord. He witnessed, by the power of God, the resurrected Jesus. And then had this relationship with God, a special relationship. And God made him an apostle. One who was sent out. And the ministry of the apostles was to to impart New Testament truth to the church, and it came from inspiration from the Lord through the Holy Spirit. And that was the ministry to the primary apostles of the time. And they are, as we looked at in Ephesians 1, the, the building blocks for the church. Those apostles were. As you study Scripture, you're, you're not going to find where it indicates that, that that ministry, that position, is to continue on. It really was meant for the twelve. They were the ones who witnessed Christ and His resurrection. They were the ones that the church is being established upon in the truth of the Word of God. So that position, I don't believe, is, is being practiced out today. There are some who will call themselves apostles. And I hope all they're thinking in that is that we are ones who are sent out. But as far as that office and that position, it was for the original 12, as far as I can understand from Scripture. Some were given to do that, to lay that foundation. Some were given to be prophets. Prophets means ones who speak forth the Word of God. Like Moses, Elijah, Elijah's name is Yahweh is my God. And he spoke forth the words of God about the the rain being withheld. And he faced the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. He spoke forth the words of God. Those are prophets of old. And as you look into the New Testament, you see John the Baptist preparing the way for the Messiah. I am a voice in the wilderness, John the Baptist says. Preparing the way. Those were the prophets that we see. In the New Testament, prophets, and when they would speak forth the Word of God, they primarily were used to to bring edification, the building of the body of Christ. And they were used for exhortation to, to call the body to action in Christ. Or they were used for for consolation to comfort the body. That's how we see them in the New Testament. And in the New Testament, we we see men and we see women who had that role. There was Anna who who prophesied about the coming of the Messiah in the Gospel of Luke. Agabus, who predicted famine. We see the daughters, the four daughters of Philip, who were prophetesses. That was their role. And they shared the word of God. They would bring forth the word of the Lord. Well, does this position still exist? Prophet. We don't see in the scriptures actually a place that would say, no, this doesn't exist. And we also don't see where it says this position should continue on. But in my understanding of scriptures is that the role of the prophet was to bring forth and proclaim the truth of God. 
And the truth is, is that we now have the full counsel of the Lord in His Word, don't we? We have His Word in written form. They didn't have it then. And so the prophets were speaking forth. So I think in this New Testament age, in the age of the Spirit, that office or that position of prophet, I don't think is necessarily necessary because of the full counsel of the Lord. However, there is what is the gift of prophecy. And I do think that is being used today in the church and for the world as they speak forth the words of God. It's still one who speaks forth his counsel. It's one who brings the truth. It's, it's one who reveals God's heart for people. And what we see in Corinthians 14, and I want you to search this out later, is that in Corinthians 14, those who would prophesy, bring forth the word of God, what would happen is there were people there who, who were curious about the Lord. And there were people in the midst who didn't know the Lord. And what happened in Corinthians 14 is that God got a hold of those people and convicted their hearts as the word was bringing forth by those who had the gift of prophecy. And those who were looking and trying to understand, they fell to their faces and they gave glory to God. That's how prophecy is used. Sometimes it's used as a gift maybe for, for us who are, are teaching in the church, that maybe the Lord is giving us a word for the church. It doesn't have to be a pastor-teacher. You may have a certain context, and all of a sudden the word, the Lord gives you a word to speak to your group. The key is, is that it obviously has to be in alignment with Scripture. If you're speaking something to exhort, to encourage, to console, it should be in line with Scripture. But sometimes God's using you to speak forth truth, and hearts are being convicted in the Lord. And hearts are turning to Christ. That's the gift of prophecy. These are building blocks, okay, of the church. Building blocks. Apostles. Prophets. And he gave some to be evangelists. Evangelist means a messenger of the good news. And what's the good news? That God loves you and me. What's the good news? That he sent his son Jesus on the cross to die for our sin. What's the good news? That whoever should believe upon him should not perish but have life everlasting in Christ Jesus. He is the ascended, risen from the dead Lord who paid it all for our sin. That's the good news. And some of you have been given the gift of evangelism, a heart for the lost, for those who don't know Jesus, a heart to, to bring the truth. I want you to understand this life that you can have. I was in uh, Greece with my father, and I was helping lead a group, a Bible, uh, it was a Bible study tour in Greece. And we were standing on Mars Hill, where Paul gave a great sermon about who God was. And, and we're standing on Mars Hill, and, and just to your right, as you, as you look over, is where today is the Parthenon, the Acropolis. Beautiful. And we were teaching about what was going on there. And then the whole group uh, started to head back to the bus. And I was just actually sitting on the rock, Mars Hill, 
And and I was uh, I was just praying, and then my dad was there, and he was he was within earshot, but he's standing up a little higher. And here's what happened. All of a sudden, there's this group of, of Italians. There's five or six of them. And they had uh, an interpreter with them. And my dad's standing there. And the interpreter, they're all kind of looking around. And the interpreter comes and says, Excuse me, sir. They went to my dad because if you've ever seen my dad, he looks like Moses. I mean, he has the big beard. I mean, he looks godly, just looks, you know. He must be some prophet or something. They said, excuse me, sir, could you tell us what this place is? My dad has a gift of evangelism. Let me remind you something before I tell you what took place. Do you remember what scriptures say? And God has prepared in advance, in advance, good works for us to walk into. Now, if we live our life that way, that God's the one preparing these things, that he's been touching hearts, that all of a sudden, you know, some Italians are going to be asking about what this place is, that's all God's work. And so my father, being the evangelist, says, can I tell you about this place? You bet. You see, there was a guy named Paul who loved Jesus. And Paul came here, and what happened is a bunch of people would gather at this spot, and they would philosophize, and they, they would just spend time in, in, in trying to be intellects. And they would worship all these different gods that were up here in this area on the Acropolis. And in Acts chapter 17, what the Bible says is that Paul said to these guys, well, listen, I see that you have here an idol to an unknown god. Well, let me tell you who that god is. This is the God of the universe. This is the God who raised from the dead. This is the God who lives through us. This is the one who is in all of our being. This is the God who brings life. That's who he is. And so my father went through Acts 17 and shared the good news of Jesus Christ with these Italians who all they want to know is what's the place. (laughs) You see, some of us are touched and given the gift of evangelism. You know, I can't, I I, I just wanted to do a taxi ride with my dad in San Francisco to get to dinner, and he's leading the driver to Christ, you know? It's like, Dad, can we just get dinner, please? I'm hungry. (laughs) Hold on, let me finish up. And the guy comes to Christ. No no joke. Do Do you understand something? That's a gift. And for some of you, God has given you that gift. To, to just bring forth. He has given us apostles, and he has given us prophets, and he has given us evangelists, and he has given us pastor teachers. That word is literally shepherd teacher. Shepherd teacher to bring forth who the Lord is, to, to come alongside a shepherd, one who journeys with, one who guides, one who directs, one who cares for the flock. Do you remember, remember that scene in the Gospel of John? Hey, Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Tend to my flock. Peter, do you love me? Feed my little sheep. It's meant to be one word. They're meant to go together. 
pastor-teacher. It's, it's ones who journey with you. They're part of a, a, of a body of Christ and they journey together. You know what I love about being part of this church? Is that the pastors that are here with us, I'm one of them. But I don't know if you recognize, but these pastors have been around for 20-some-odd years, plus. Do you understand? They care for your lives. They're not just here to drop in and say, I hope you're doing well. They're here to, to walk with you through the journey, to go through the mess of life with you. They're here to, to come along and to goad you in the right direction. And some of us are the teacher, the pastor teacher, who get the, the joy of coming on a Sunday morning to break open the Word of God. Shepherds, pastor teachers in our midst. And I hope you know, I'll just say this as one of the pastors, we sure love you guys. That's why we stay. Because God has put us in a place and he has, is working through us to shepherd the flock. It's not just something we do for work. Do you understand that? This is our spiritual lives together. And there's a real call upon pastor-teacher to shepherd and to enter in with the flock. That's our desire. It's our life with you. And hopefully you've seen and know we're not taken off. You know, there's a lot of people who show up and they're there for a couple of years and then later. But we want to have life with you. That's why we're here. And we really feel called to, to shepherd the body. There are those who are just teachers, and some of you might have that gift. Teachers are like those, like Apollos. They would show up in a community, and they would bring forth the word of God, and it would impact lives, and we would say, thank you, Lord. There are those who would do that. And some of you are teachers, and God has given you that gift. And so use your gift. These are the, the building blocks of the church. These gifts have been given in the original, those positions of apostle and prophet, and then now I think more lived out in evangelism and in, in pastor-teacher. But there's purpose. And what's the purpose? For the, equipping, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the equipping of the saints, for the service of ministry. Equipping means, literally, to mend nets. It's, it's helping to, to bring the body together so that his church is being built together. It's, it's helping the body. It's, it's fixing. It's working together to join together those strands so that, guess what, so we can fish together. So that we can actually do the work that the Lord has called us to. It's hard to show up for battle without any gear, isn't it? It's hard to build a house without any tools. And so there's many who are in this position where they are to be the evangelists, the pastor teachers, those who come along your side to equip you for a purpose that you might be serving the Lord, that you might be living out the life that God has called you to. Where and how is the Lord calling you to serve? Truly, this isn't about guilt trip, okay? I am no longer my own. I am bought with a price. 
My life is not mine. It belongs to him. And he has a great desire for us to be involved in his kingdom work. He has a great desire that that he would be glorified through his church. Where is God calling you to serve? You should be asking that question. He equips the saints. It's the same word he uses in, in 2 Peter 3, 16 and 17. Remember what it says, all scriptures God breathed, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Same deal there. The word of God, as it's brought forth and as it instructs and as it leads, guess what it does? It equips us to live out Christ's life. It equips us for the body of Christ. The church is being built. He is being glorified. What are your gifts and how is God calling you to serve? He wants us to be used in his kingdom. It's the word that comes forth and then as we respond to the word of the Lord, we live in his love and we go, Lord, I want to serve you. Show me how. And it's all in the power of the Spirit, right? This isn't your own stuff. This isn't you have to figure out a way to to get it going on. It's the work of the Spirit. He will prompt. And then it finishes up with this. That the house, that the building of a house would happen. That the body of Christ would be built up. You need to understand something for us as Cole Community Church. We have, we have a very purposeful vision and mission in this church. And it isn't super fancy. But we really believe it's what the Lord has called us to. I just want to share it with you, remind you. Our vision is that by God's spirit, love, and grace, that we would make disciples of Jesus Christ. So in every ministry that is going on here, our goal and our thinking is, are we making disciples even in our, our children's ministry, it's not, about, it's not about, hey, let's just babysit some kids for an hour. It's let's make disciples out of these little ones and give them truth so that they might be able to live out their life in Christ, depending on him. Every ministry of this church is about making disciples. And here's our mission. That we do this through equipping disciples of Jesus Christ who would grow in loving God, loving others, and impacting the world. We are all about equipping you, the saints. It's not the job of the pastors to do the work, all the work. We're, we're part of this together. We need each other. I can't throw a fiesta together. I need the saints. You, you understand? We're part of this one house. And literally, he finishes up by saying, and what happens is, as the saints are equipped... It builds up the body of Christ. And that literally means he's building his house. He's building his house. The unity of the Spirit is being preserved. The gifts are being used. And we thought we were going to build a normal house in Mexico, and instead he built his kingdom. That's what he wants to do with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your good word. And I thank you that you right now are are building your house. And Lord, stir us through your spirit, I pray, that, that you, would, you would be moving us towards each other, that you would be drawing us close to you, that we would live our lives for you, Father. 
We don't, we don't just want to show up on Sundays, Lord. We want, we want to live out the life that you have for us. And so, Father, pour out your spirit in this body, I pray. In your precious name, amen.